0: Hello and welcome to the CAPE podcast, CAPE standing for the Child Abuse Prevention and Education podcast. My name is Christy McVie and I am an ex-West Australian police officer who spent 10 years with the police where I was trained as a specialist child interviewer and a child abuse detective. This podcast is all about sharing what I learned, saw and knew whilst investigating child sexual abuse in the police force. It is also about sharing the knowledge that I gained in that time that helped me with my own parenting of my then two year old daughter. My mission is to help share my knowledge and to help you in your role as parents to keep your kids safe along with guest experts in the field of child abuse prevention and education, both in person and online. Thank you so much for joining in on the fight to prevent child sexual abuse. Your kids will thank you for it. Welcome to episode six of the Kate podcast. Thank you so much for joining and for listening. This one is going to be a bit tough, I'm afraid. So I'm going to issue a trigger warning straight up. So this is one of the, it's just going to be me talking today, no guests, but I'm going to be talking about the appalling case from last week. Uh, So last week was a tough week in regards to child sexual abuse uh, cases, one of the biggest child sexual abuse cases that we've ever, that has been reported and seen in Australia. I'm sure there's probably, um, yeah, there's not many that that actually, you know, are up there with this one. But anyway, so there is going to be a trigger warning. I am going to be talking in depth about the case and just in regards to uh, some groomings, uh, some grooming statistics, some grooming tactics. I'm I'm gonna do a bit of a dive into how people like this are actually uh, able to do what they do, and um, and how he got away with it for so long. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I I know that if we if more people knew about how these people work, their modus operandi, operandi, modus operandi, which is their MO, then we would have a lot less um, people trusting these people. These people are master manipulators. This person was a master manipulator. He was, you know, gold medal, If not that I would ever want to give him a gold medal, but he had people tricked. And um, so I just want to talk about this case in regards to the grooming tactics that he would have used, and and some of the the tactics he would have used in regards to keeping people unaware of what he was doing. Also, I have an email from one, or not an email, some a post from one of the mums uh, of one of the victims who shared her story publicly, but anonymously, so that her daughter's her daughter's own identity has been uh, kept safe and that that's what we want to do here we want to make sure that any person in this space you know she's she's not able to talk to her talk about it herself so therefore it's it's really important that we keep young people's identities safe um and i'm going to just reiterate that through education we are empowered and when we're empowered and when children are empowered and educated they are I'm I'm struggling to find the words today, so please please bear with me. When children are educated and empowered, they are, le- are less likely target by these predators. And I've heard it from the horse's mouth, from predators' mouth, from abusers' mouths. They don't want confident kids. They don't want kids that will uh, talk back, or they don't want to approach kids that will tell someone. So they're going to go for children who are vulnerable. They are going to go for children who don't have anyone to talk to. They're going to go for children who are nonverbal. So this master predator has gone for children who were nonverbal and were very young, therefore very vulnerable. And that is what made him the ultimate predator in this space. Um, And the case is very interesting in that, from my my perspective as an investigator and first of all I want to say the AFP like I know how big these cases case files and these cases can be the Australian Federal Police Queensland Police New South Wales Police everyone involved in this has had a fucking mission to get to the point where they could charge him with that many charges I can only imagine what the case files look like like I have nightmares on the idea of what if if that if you get my sense you know I'm not making light of what's going on. Um, I just know how much work has gone into this whole process to get him caught, to get the evidence to to have it all documented, to be ready to you know charge him. So the fact that they have gotten to this case, I mean, that is a lot of charges, and he has very the the likelihood of him walking away from any of this is very minimal you just don't so I want to start by reading out this post by this mum and some of the details key details in this post okay so dear mums I write to you today as a fellow mother my daughter was aged three to four years old when she was both sexually abused and raped by the unnamed Brisbane childcare pedophile whose full extent of charges were released in the Australian media today. Despite such a well-outlined and professional delivery by the Australian Federal Police, I felt like my voice was lost amongst the horrific detail of what this individual did to our daughters. For the last 10 months, we have grappled with the knowledge that an individual with whom we trusted and the various organisations where we sent our children to be cared for have betrayed us in the deepest way possible. When we choose to send our child to a centre, we base it on the decisions like staff ratios, length of staff, employment, culture, and the overall comfort of the child in that environment. The hardest part about this is the fact that my daughter loved this person who in the end was raping her during nap times and filming it. Many will ask, were there any red flags? To To be honest, no, for me there weren't. He was cunning, he was manipulative, and he had other stuff wrapped around his finger. He was actually the director at the centre for uh, for two years where all three of my children went to kindy between 2018 and 2022. It was while my eldest son and daughter were here at this centre that I went through domestic violence and divorce. My focus was on insur- and on ensuring my children's safety from my ex-husband, not on the centre director who was newly employed by the centre at the time. As my older two children went to primary school, my youngest child, my youngest child remained. She's now five, and this has been very recent for us. The individual befriended us and appeared to be child-centred in his approach to the learning early learning. He made these wonderful obstacle courses and indulged the children in exceptional play-based learning strategies that had everyone impressed. His approach was akin to that of Montessori, using natural elements to create new and wonderful things. He loved art and would encourage the kids to express themselves using any media they could find. He would put on an annual art show displaying our children's artworks and happily encourage their learning and development. He was an exceptional photographer taking beautiful pictures of our children as they watched the life cycle of a caterpillar metamorphose into butterfly aura, or on excursions to see the Gruffalo's child. My youngest daughter, the one I eventually realised he was abusing, would run up to him every time she was at kindy. She would exclaim his name and express excitement at all they would do that day. I felt so reassured knowing my baby was cared for while I went to further my own education after my horrid divorce. It made me feel secure knowing she was in good hands and was happy at that centre. For years, I only had the best things to say about where I sent my little ones. I still have some of the most beautiful friendships parents who sent their children there. The atmosphere was very much community-focused and genuine, but with such beauty was lurking a darkness. While he greeted us and told us our daughters had a great day, he had been raping them in their sleep and giving them iPads to, to distract them while he objectified them like sex toys to be used for his gratification. <laughs> I struggle with this on a deep level. The way my daughter's tiny little body was used by a grown-ass man for his pleasure has made me physically ill, tormented my by fury and a sense of injustice. He's tampered with something that belonged to my daughter, her innocence, her childhood. That was not his to take. He stole it from her like a thief right under my nose and all the while smiling at me as he did so. As I'm sure so many parents in my situation can relate to the sense of betrayal hits like a knife in the chest. I grapple with my own sense of responsibility. How could I not have seen this? The hatred swells up inside like a ravaging ravaging monster that wishes him the same kind of torment and pain he has put me and my daughter through. I was already broken and here he came to break me into similar pieces, smaller pieces, sorry. The heart, like fine china, won't heal so readily. I now see the world in a way that feels so foreign to me. I wonder if every man is a predator. I fear to date for fear of I fear to date for fear of introducing another monster to our lives. I trust no one but those who have gone through what I have gone through. The world is has never and will never be a safe place. I hate that he has skewed my once benevolent view of the world where where now trusting anyone is almost impossible. In April 2022, this individual was fired abruptly from the kindergarten. As parents, we were told very little. In fact, upon the abrupt firing, I had a very valid question about whether we should be concerned for the safety of our children. I was assured by the center's regional manager, the offender's boss, during a parent Q&A session that our children were absolutely safe. It was 6 months later that we would be contacted by the Australian Federal Police to identify stills of our daughter, daughters, from that from videos where he was abusing them. I was informed that he had more than 100 videos and photographs depicting the sexual abuse of my then 3-year-old daughter. The circumstances of how he was caught and the breadth of this He's offending were hidden from us as a matter of keeping the details of the case under wraps fast forward to today where I sit and I write out my feelings I am one of those people who was taught to hold it in to hold it all in and carry on despite the challenges life throws at you but you know what I'm so sick of always being put together no more the profound truth is my life has been turned upside down by this atrocity In so many respects, we as parents have been let down and failed by the systems which are meant to keep our children safe. When we should have been advised about a report being made to the Queensland Police about the offender in 2021, we were told he was on personal leave for family reasons. When the Queensland Police should have taken the reports more seriously and and investigated him properly, seizing electronics and searching everything, especially as the second report in 2022 he should have been caught earlier. When we needed to understand the bigger picture about the nature of the offending the Australian Federal Police kept a tight lip keeping us victims and their families in the dark about the full picture as though we were were at risk to you know to the investigation. Now we find out a greater depth of information about the case from the media outlets instead of from the agency recruited to investigate him. When the childcare and the greater systems at large were meant to have checks and balances in place to prevent offending like this, 87 Australian girls are raped and sexually abused across 15 years of offending by one depraved individual who's not even worthy to be called a man. So many of the systems in place have profoundly failed us and our daughters. As we watch Barbie and celebrate how far women have come and still have left to go, we need to acknowledge that violence against women still remains an epidemic at epidemic proportions. When are we going to say enough is enough? How can 91 little girls be raped by their childcare teacher and we still deny there is an issue here? One woman is killed by her current or former partner every week in Australia. We need to protect women and children, not just here in Australia but everywhere in the world. We are here on this earth in this time of history to make a shift, to make a change. No longer no longer can we remain complacent. It's the very well-being of our little ones who need us to model what equality between men and women looks like. It's up to us to ensure the safety of our little girls now and as they grow into young women. We can come so far, we have come so far, but there is still so much to do. We need to implement more educate, educated policies around employing childcare workers, formulate better, consistent procedures in managing the blue card status and criminal history checks. We need to educate more staff and parents alike on what a predator's grooming behaviours can look like. Until recently, I had no idea what grooming could look like. Forgo, forgo the old man with the puppy or the lollipop at the local park. Oh no, this predator was of a different kind. He came across as homosexual, giving us a false sense of security around our daughters. He really got to know us as parents and made us feel a part of the community. He appeared educated and spoke about his strong values for child safety and protection. All of these things were admirable qualities, but when you contextualise them with with knowledge the childcare workers had, you uncover a sinister motive. The childcare workers could see him building forts in the play equipment where the children would sleep at nap time with him alone. How does one not question this? I certainly would not have, would not have been okay with him doing this if I had known. Indeed, one of the reasons why I chose this particular center was because it was one big room with no hiding holes. So, so fort making fort making and trying to be alone with the children is a big, big, big red flag. When you add up his behaviors, the evidence is clear. If we were all educated properly about his behaviour, about this behaviour, maybe we could be we could have caught him sooner and prevented so many little girls from being abused. This further speaks to the culpability of the childcare industry. In particular, when parents are not informed about reports of abuse when they occur, such as that one such as that made by a co-worker in 2021 at our centre that well-educated staff member was vilified by the centre management and other staff at the time of her report this is this i found out about in retrospect the culpability comes down to the management of their requirement to educate and understand these complex situations why must we protect the identity of an individual who has a child abuse report made about them before we protect the well-being of children why must enrollment numbers be prioritized over transparency When I asked our child care centre why we were not advised about the 2021 report, and where is it? The very dismissive reply suggested that the centre could not appear discriminatory against the individual by advising parents for it was imperative that they retained his, his right to confidentiality. Well, what about the right of our children to attend a childcare safely without being raped, molested and filmed during it? What about the right of parents to make an informed decision around removing their child from a centre if there is a report made? How dare these centres make those choices for us, hiding the truth and keeping us in the dark? That is why instead of acting from a place of fear and pulling all of our kids out of daycare or kindy, we must instead demand a change to current policies. This issue is more about education than it is about children needing to be kept home until school age. We can't bubble wrap our lives, but we can do everything in our power to educate and create lasting change for the benefit of our children and our society. If an individual has been reported for, a suspicious, for suspicion of child abuse, no matter how small, the parents should always be informed. The individual does not need to be named, but we should be advised about a report being made about a report being made from a staffer at the centre. We deserve the right to remain uh, to choose whether our children are removed or will remain enrolled. Please do not take this right away from us. To those of you who work in the industry, if you see something you think is not right, say something. If you get a feeling or, or an intuition, follow it, voice it, and say something. To those in the police force, especially those members of the Child Protection Investigation Unit who Investigated investigated this person in 2021 and 2022. Please take everything individuals say with a healthy dose of skepticism. We had the ability to, he had the ability to lull many into a false sense of security. It's your job to be more discerning, to see through the carefully formed facade these cretins hide behind. We can't let this happen again. The future of our world relies upon the safe harbor of our children. I wish to thank the efforts of the Australian Federal Police for the sensitive way in which they broke the news to us families and for the the way you all continue to advocate for the protection of our children. Without your intervention, we may have never known the truth, letting our girls grow up with unconscious pain they may have never put a name to. Without your intervention, this individual could have continued to abuse and destroy lives until the day he died. I'm relieved he is in prison and can no longer harm our daughters. So thank you for all the hard work you do. It would be very challenging to identify and compile charges of such a graphic nature, and break the news. Break the news to so many of us traumatized parents. You are a gift to Australia. We work. We honour your hard work and devotion to protecting children. Okay. I, I'm. I did give a trigger warning at the start, and and um that was hard to read even for me. Uh I'm sorry about that. Reading the whole thing out, but I think it's really important that I did. Um, whew, that was heavy, very heavy, and um, I I just want to touch on some of the stuff that was in this. So, this beautiful mum has has gone into detail about how he has groomed the daycare now. Yeah. If you don't follow me on TikTok or Instagram, um, I do actually. I did actually post a video the other day about the grooming um, process and how these people work, and I have written about it in my book. And a couple of the things I want to point out from and and she has done a great job of pointing out some of these grooming behaviors is that the stages of grooming would have been shortened because of the age of these children. It sounds like he he had. A very well planned out access to these kids you know he made forts he made sure he could have unrestricted access to them whilst I was sleeping he was abusing them whilst they were not you know whilst they were either distracted I can't quite look I don't I don't want to talk about the charges because I don't want to add more to what we've just what I've just read out but I want to share some of the stuff from my book about okay so this is straight from my book these are some of the ways child sex offender targets and seeks to get close to children they build a closer relationship to the parents and caregivers and are therefore trusted with their child alone that is if they aren't a parent or caregiver themselves they may put themselves in a position of authority or power over a child e.g. teachers youth leaders sports coaches etc that's number one on my book right They find busy or distracted parents who might need some help or assistance with their kids in their lives, number two. They put themselves in a position to support the parents and caregivers, helping out with babysitting, driving them to and from places and making it easier on the parents and caregivers who might be strained or or tired and in need of assistance. They are generally available to help no matter what it is or when it is. They are super friendly and super helpful with the kids and want to hang around them sometimes more than what can seem normal or appropriate for a person of their age. This guy was so good with these kids and was so friendly and so approachable that even the kids were, you know, not affected, not showing signs of the abuse. Who knows what was happening at home, but you know they were so young, so they didn't understand any different. Um, and they were so nice to the like he was, you know, purported that he was all about child safety and protection, and he was doing all of these things they put themselves in a position as a trusted friend with the kids think cool auntie or aunt or a fun friend or confidant they may target and date a single parent to gain access to their children they look out or target the kids that are less confident and need a friend or someone to lean on or talk to and become that important person in their lives basically kids who are the most vulnerable in this case he he targeted children who were non-verbal or were unable to, didn't have the words to describe what was going on or didn't know what was going on. They target and find the kids that are easily led, manipulated, tricked or coerced into doing things they may not want to do, but still want to please the person asking them to do it. The kids who lack self-confidence or awareness or may have a disability or learning difficulty. They will test a child to see whether they will say anything to their caregivers with subtle touches, little gifts asking them to keep a secret between them and the child so that's what i wrote in my book like <laughs> a couple of years ago but it was printed last year and you know this guy was that everything and more he did this and he he made sure that he was able to trick these parents for a very long time and in the tiktok i did um i you know it's quite it's about a 9 minute tiktok and i've shared it on almost all of my platforms i also talk about when they get when someone gets suspicious of them what they do to in order to basically turn the attention away from themselves and put it onto the other person so they're very good at gaslighting other people they'll make up excuses like they're jealous of me they don't um they are making a big deal out of nothing i you know and they will be because they're grooming and befriending everyone around them they will then groom and befriend the parent uh, like people that they work with this person was grooming for his co-workers and so when a co-worker got um when a co-worker was suspicious he vilified that person in order to make them turn their eyes on this other person and that is very common in this space in you know i'm trying to think of like specific cases that I have seen, and I've seen this quite a few times where they make people doubt the person who's suspicious. So, you know, they throw, they throw shade and doubt on that person and they make that person also start doubting what they're saying. Oh no, they just had a sore, you know, the, the girl, I just had to change her nappy or they fell or, you know, so it's not, there's a lot of gaslighting and manipulation of the people around the children and around the, the person who is abusing these children. You know, it happens so easily. And the grooming, the, the six stages of grooming, I'll just go through them from my book, are, are this. So if you've listened this far, and I, and I, I apologize, you know, this is a heavy topic but the six stages of grooming are they target the victim so they find a victim then they go and gain the victim's trust so as you can see in a child that is reliant on a carer these are always already sort of minimized they fill a need so he was the really fun guy you know he was so easy to be around he was so much fun he did he really acted like he cared for these babies and these children and he was so fun to be around for them. He isolated the child or children. So he got them, you know, in a secluded area. And one of the things that I say in my book about, you know, some of the red flags is finding, you know, children behind closed doors with an adult and or locked door, um, you know, they find ways to get the children alone. And he was able in this particular case, and I'm sure he was able to do it in other ways, he was able to hide in the fort while they slept. Now that is a massive red flag in my eyes. Any touching, you know, childcare workers shouldn't be touching children uh, other than to change their nappy and hug them, but they shouldn't be kissing them. They shouldn't be touching them inappropriately or in any sort of places near their private parts or their, their genitals or, you know, rubbing their backs, you know, just for no reason other than they were they're near them and they touch them. That's all sort of, you know, it's hard in a childcare setting, but those those are some red flags. So isolating the child, sexualizing the relationship, and maintain and maintaining control. So even if a child went home and and they had some indicators of something going on, for instance, and again trigger warning, you know, quite a lot of young girls. Uh, when they've been sexually assaulted, they will have like red inflamed vulva, vagina, everything can get inflamed. So, or they get infections, they'll get urinary tract infections or worst case scenario, a, a STI. But in this case, you know, that's easily, some people will easily, or this person could have easily gone, you know, they've got, they haven't been wiping properly or They've got, you know, they've been running around, wouldn't let me change their nappy for the day. And I think they've got a bit of a, a nappy rash, you know, just putting some doubt in the parents or the people around them's minds as to what what's going on there. I mean, because in in these settings, those are normal things to happen to a, a young person or a young child, you know, if they haven't changed their nappy, et cetera. So it's, it's a little bit harder. And especially with nonverbal children, it's really hard. And the one thing that I, I have written here about red flags in my book um, is they aren't always hurting kids physically. Just because he did sexually abuse these kids doesn't mean he hurt them and that might be hard to hear. I have, unfortunately, the amount of cases where young children are so easy to abuse because of the fact that they are, you know, they are, Children don't always show signs of abuse because the body is a very what's the word I'm looking for um, durable, elastic. You know we I, we've had children I've and again trigger warning guys I'm I, this is a deep dive and this is a tough subject but I've had children who have had full penetrative sexual experiences as toddlers that have shown no signs of sexual abuse. It's not always going to show. And parents, you just can't tell sometimes. And even full medical assessments haven't been able to prove yes or no. So they're not always hurting kids physically and they're not always, it's not to say it's not traumatising and it is. And, you know, the when a child is very young and, and this abuse starts, it's they're being trained and groomed to like the attention of the abuser. As I was saying, they groom everyone around them. That includes co-workers, parents, and kids. They are very good at it. Uh, They've practiced it. Um, One of the things, one of the first things I learned when I became a specialist child interviewer is that child sexual offenders and people who are attracted to children fantasize and and, uh, train, I guess, scenarios in their mind about what what they want to do and how they will answer questions, how they will get access to children. There fantasizing and making it happen and so they become really good at what they're doing because they've thought it through Um, and so that's how they get people that's how they get people to trust them with their kids basically if anyone gets suspicious they will gaslight and create confusion within within the people so you question your intuition and instinct so the person who was suspicious of this guy and and you know everyone was backing him and I've had other coppers say you know you know, if it's someone in their own home, or if it's someone that they're dating, you know, oh, they're such a good guy. How could you say that about them? You'll ruin their, you'll ruin their credibility. You'll ruin their, you know, you'll ruin their careers or whatever. And so, so people are reluctant to question these guys or these people. They're que- they're reluctant to push it because they don't want to be that person that ruins someone else's life or says something that will hurt them. They make they move a lot. So, when people get suspicious, they will move. He would have just moved, he would have just quit and had a reason for it. He wouldn't, he just would have left. And the sole purpose of their actions is to get close to kids and have unlimited, unrestricted, and unsupervised access. So, hence why he worked at a childcare center. Um, and some of the red flags, you know, in regards to this, not just when I'm talking about child, I'm talking about this incident and this person, but I'm also talking about the people in your lives. So they favour certain kids over others. They will, um, they will have certain children that they love more than anyone else, and they will favour them. They find ways to spend alone time with them behind closed doors or alone. You know, uh, I, I've already kind of gone over that. They are often missing or absent for periods of time. So you know, like when you're looking for them, they'll be missing. Um, they have read, ready, and quick reasons for doing certain things if caught or questioned. You know, if they, if he had have been seen as doing something that might have been considered inappropriate, he would have had a quick reason for it. Oh, I'm just, you know, fixing their nappy, whatever. Um, they gaslight and dismiss children who may have behavioural outbursts or show up setting signs to discredit the child, parent or adult. So in this case, no one came forward because they didn't know. Um, the children hadn't made complaints because they couldn't, right? Um, and the one childcare worker in this instance, that this, this scenario, um, was discredited and, um, you know, vilified. But in other cases that I've seen, um, for instance, a child bit his care childcare worker. Um, he actually made it out like the kid was acting out and had the other childcare workers believe that the child bit him because he was acting out and that it was just... And then when he did report, so the re- child reported to his mum about being sexually abused, when he did report to his mum, and the mum made the complaint, they used that excuse as a way to justify, like as if the four-year-old at this time, this little boy was four, as if he had been um, he vindictive um, and was saying that he had sexually abused him to because he'd bit him instead. So let me tell you one thing: four th- two, four-year-olds, three-year-olds, two-year-olds, children who are in this age group. They do not learn how to lie about these things for years. They, they, we do not see that type of report or that type of disclosure in children that young. Um, if, if a child says something like this or, or talks about it, then there is, um, you know, I am believing that child no matter what anyone else has said because they do not lie. They do not lie, they are telling whatever they know in that time at that at that place. So yeah. Um, and then the some of the things that I really want you to think about. Um, in these cases, like childcare centers are under a huge amount of scrutiny right now, and they will be for some time. And it's time for some policy changes. So what this whole system and instance has highlighted to me is that we can do so much more for our kids and our families. And some of them are the following. So teaching your children body safety and protective behaviours lessons is imperative. Uh, It's not our child's job to prevent abuse, but having these lessons means that they can identify inappropriate behaviours and speak up before further harm is caused. Two, doing your due diligence when choosing a daycare provider. This mum pointed out something really cool and I, you know, other than the fact that the childcare centre let the let them down, you know, having one big room, amazing. I think one of the other key potential um, takeaways from this is that maybe CCTV footage, uh, CCTV cameras of the daycare is very, uh, I, I know some do still ha- ha- are starting to have them, but having some internal CCTV cameras, um, and also, no phones. Why should childcare workers be able to carry their phones around? That's really not appropriate. Um, so, do you do diligence when choosing a daycare provider? Do they have a child safety policy? Are they providing body safety education as a minimum? They should. Your child's. When you talk to a, a childcare center, do you provide protective behaviors and body safety education from an external provider? Uh, and uh, how often are your childcare workers and your carers being um, trained in this? Like, are they doing it yearly? What And what is their incident reporting process? I mean, this whole process shows that there was an incident and they protected him and what, what is it? And, um, yeah, I would definitely be questioning that, you know, along with the, the child-to-carer ratios um, and stuff like that. Uh, and three, educating yourself about the facts and statistics and how predators actually groom kids and the adults around them. because I know that this perpetrator would have groomed his co-workers and the child's parents as well as his little victims. This was before I'd read that email, I wrote these little these little things. And you know I've mentioned my book. I'm actually creating a body safety course for parents so that they can teach these these you know really important lessons to their kids about body safety. You know, start by teaching your kids the correct anatomical names for their body parts, you know, um, and along with, you know, we do the the little things, you know, ear, nose, that's your ear, that's your nose, those your eyes. You know, I remember doing those little things with my daughter when she was little, but that's your vulva, that's your penis, that's your testicles, that's your breasts, um, you know, that's and then going on to teaching them about, you know, what's p- private and public. We don't show our vulva, penis, testicles, breasts in private, public. You know, they're private parts. They are for private and no one's allowed to touch your private parts, that sort of thing. And we don't show anyone our private parts and no one shows us their private parts. These lessons can be taught at as young as 18 months, two years old, um, you know, and along with other lessons which are in my book. So I don't know how I feel about this podcast episode. It, that 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 post from this mum really threw me. I didn't read it all to begin with, and I thought I'll just read it out to you guys. Um, it's a tough one to hear. I'm sorry that if it triggered anyone. Um, but we need to talk about this stuff, and we need to have these conversations, and we need to we need to be doing this. We need to learn about grooming. So if you haven't listened to the podcast um podcast episode with Ruby about grooming and what she, uh, her experiences with grooming and how it's affected her in her adulthood, um, please do. Uh, And please, please hug your kids and be mindful that there is people walking among us that want to do our kids harm. And some of them are our friends. They're our family. They're people we know, people that are close to our kids. And although they're there, we can actually do something about it. So I am you know i am positive and i am positive that we can change what's going on that it we can do more we are doing more you know this you know 20 years ago this person would have kept going and would never have got would would have got away with it um lastly i just wanted to make note that the afp actually had videos and photos from 2013 and 2014 that this person had uploaded onto the dark web And shared with his dark web friends for want of a better word Um, and they were trying to identify kids from that stage so that's how long that this person had been flying under the radar now had someone spoken up earlier you know he obviously had a target group of kids that couldn't speak so that made it or didn't know and that made it easier for him to keep going for as long as he did so you know all of the signs that I've spoken about, the grooming signs and all of the things that we've just, I've shared in here, if we all talk about it and we share it between ourselves, we can do something about it. And that's what I want you to take away from this is that just because something like this happens doesn't mean that there wasn't opportunities to learn and to share and to grow from this. And we can make a difference in our children's lives and we can protect them from these people it takes a little bit of effort, bravery, but mostly it just takes education. So thank you very much. Uh, if you please check the the podcast notes, if you need any help or assistance in regards to if you were triggered by this podcast. um. But I hope, you know, by me sharing what I've done today, um, you actually get some value out of this and you understand just how easy and but just how easy it is to, for this to happen, but also just how easy it is for us to stop it. Okay, see you guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Education empowers children and it empowers parents and education prevents abuse. That is why I'm here and that is why you are here. So thank you. If you want any further information or support, follow me on social media, either under Christy McVie or Cape AU social media accounts. I'll put the links in the show notes. You can also purchase a signed copy of my book, Operation Kids Safe, via the website at www.cape-au.com. Also on my website is a free e-book titled 10 Tips to Keep Your Kids Safe from Abuse, and self-paced courses for parents to help you in your journey of child abuse prevention. Don't forget to join our free Facebook group called Operation Kids Safe Parenting Group. Please see the show notes for any extra information, links and help should you be looking for extra support. Thank you once again for giving a shit about preventing child sexual abuse. See you next time.